Welcome to the Recruitment Leaders Podcast with Barkley Jones. Right then, everybody, uh, on the Recruitment Leaders Podcast today, I'm absolutely delighted to have Anne Swain from AppsCo. Now, she probably needs no introduction, but one of the things that some people may not be aware of is her involvement. As much as she is a woman in recruitment, she also heads up a significant organization called Women in Recruitment. And what I want to do today is talk to you about and ask her some questions about why this organization even exists. Is it just a me too organization, excuse the pun, or, or are we looking at some serious change needed still and an opportunity, a platform to do that from? So, hi Anne, how are you doing? I'm fine Lisa, thank you. Um, yeah, looking forward to having a chat about women in recruitment. So, talk to me, um, why do we, and I'm going to ask some obvious questions, but I must. I, I know you're going to give me some non-obvious answers because it would be very easy for me. To say, oh, you know, why do we need a women in recruitment organisation? And you're not going to say because we need more women in recruitment because we've had these discussions before. And that's not me leading you. But why does this organisation exist? What's the history of it? What's the purpose of it? Okay, so Women in Recruitment is um, an organization that originally was set up by David Head of Recruitment International, and that's some years ago. And he was looking to create some conference events specifically aimed around some sort of female-oriented issues within the recruitment market. And it went on for a period of time. It was chaired by Natasha Clark uh, of S3, and Nikam Malarkey also was involved in that. But they felt after a period of time that they wanted to give it a bit of a boost. That coincided with my wanting to do something for AppsGo to promote women in recruitment. I'm actually why, because we're short of talent in the recruitment market. All the research that we do at AppsGo shows that the recruitment market is unbelievably talent short and it worries people. And yet, when we did some research, we found out that we are recruiting as many women as men, but we're losing the women earlier. And we can't afford to lose any talent. So it's about looking at why we want to keep women in. Certainly, we're recruiting them, no problem. What we can do to, to help, I suppose, a talent shortage across the board. So I thought that was worth picking up and therefore helped really. And I don't head this up. It's headed up by joint chairs of Natasha and Nicola. I'm a director of it, but there's a big group of people that are adding some real value where we're looking at what can we do to attract more women, keep more women, and make sure that the women in the recruitment market can fulfill their potential in the long term by staying in the recruitment market from a career point of view. That's what it's about. Perfect. And of course, if we know anything, and the people listening, um, all of them being recruitment leaders, will know that one of their biggest challenges and what your lovely Deloitte AppsCo um, benchmarking survey yeah, does every year is say the same thing, which is, guys and gals, you're telling us that you're talent poor. Um, and actually, what you're also telling us is that you are not really doing very much about it. And actually, there's an argument to say that if you create the right environment for women to, to be retained within your businesses, that AppsCo and Deloitte will probably have something different to say next year about, about that particular thing. What, why do you think the recruitment industry finds it difficult to keep women within it? I think it's the same as any service industry where the hours are long and the workload is heavy. And what seems to happen, one of the issues, is that, that young women come in and after a number of years they start to think, 
that should I want a family, and of course not all women do, but should I want that level of responsibility in my life, can I juggle a career in the recruitment market and a family? It happens in banking, it happens in the legal market and a range of others, but it absolutely happens in the recruitment market. What I would say is that we did not find from our research, and we did some very good research actually in 2015, that was sponsored by Barclays and Squire Patton Boggs, and we, we um, got a PhD student from Westminster Business School to do this for us. So it was totally outsourced and separate from anything to give us really useful information. But what we did find was um, that women are leaving, and they're leaving for that kind of reason as the mainstay. But some of the others have felt in their time that sometimes the culture of a number of recruitment companies are just not quite right for women moving forward. I don't think it's a glass ceiling thing. That's not what we found. And the good thing about recruitment is your figures are on the board, frankly, or probably on your screen these days. But the figures are up there. So it's not that they can't progress, but sometimes people feel either that it doesn't work with their family life or the culture of the specific organization they're in doesn't necessarily have the flexibility that would aid them to want to stay. And I think, I don't know, if we know anything about the recruitment industry, and I'm, and I'm sure the listeners will get this, you know, recruitment is sales. It's obviously HR, it's all of the, the things, but it's ultimately sales. Um, and often yep. when you're recruiting salespeople and you're retaining salespeople, you've got to you've got to understand what's in it for them. So as a woman in recruitment, what's in it for me? You know, and um, and we do lots of internal recruitment workshops with our clients, and we are still coming across clients who think that the only thing they need to think about is a decent commission rate and salary. And we, yeah, it's, me, yeah, that's it's not, not the case anymore, is it? It isn't. Look, also we found that women for a very long period of time often wanted different things. And I can't group all women in one group and all men in another. It's simply not like that. But a lot of women are looking for different things. But actually, everybody knows now, with millennials working in our businesses and Generation Z coming through and whatever, that generally youngsters are looking for something different than just money at the end of the day. And where there was talk of work-life balance, that's less important now because using you know, email as a communication tool means that people are using, you know, are on their systems all the way through the evening and don't worry about it. But women tend to be looking for different things. Whether it's the 8.30 staff meeting, sales meetings in the morning, when actually if you are the person responsible for dropping kids off, it's a problem. Whether it's the presenteeism of, of people expecting you to be seen to be at your desk for really long hours, rather than at times working flexibly, whether you feel that's a problem and whether it is a problem, creates issues. And I think women can lose their confidence from that point of view. But it's not even just about women that. It's about youngsters coming through as well. We need to look at doing things differently. We need to make sure that we are not sucking the earlobe of somebody when it's their big toe they want tweaking let's say that <laughs> if ever there was an image it's that i there you go yeah and i think as well it's it's that and obviously we must stress to the listeners that um there's plenty of men in your organization that are joining the women in recruitment movement to obviously appreciate that i mean it's interesting i've done some research as well on just women in sales and there's a significant study out there that 
basically, and I just want to talk about this for 30 seconds and see whether or not you feel as the expert in recruitment and whether or not there, there's something here, because we can talk about what's in it for me, as in, I'm a salesperson, what, I'm a recruitment person, I'm a female recruiter, what do I need to be sustained and retained by my employer? But the employer, there's, some, there's got to be something in it for them. And it's easy yeah. for us to say, well, you just get more staff, and we know if you get more staff, you make more money. But actually, if the gap between um, them employing that person and keeping that person is so large because they don't have flexible working environments, they don't have systems where they can trust people to work remotely, if they don't have KPIs to allow people to flourish within... Uh, within not a confined space, but within a workable workflow, that's a big leap for them. And I'm not suggesting they shouldn't take that leap because I kind of think they should be there already. It's just they've probably not realized the benefits of taking that leap. But anyway, the listeners out there are thinking, well, hold on a minute, what's in it for me to change my ways? And I would say the studies that I've done are around women being better salespeople. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should take every male salesperson, every male recruiter, and give them a bra and all that lovely stuff. And that's my language. What I am suggesting is that if there are any fears about changing your business model to compensate, if that's the way you want to look at, for um, flexible working, uh, homeworking, KPIs, etc., that when we looked at a HubSpot report that had been looking at um, a load of data, and what they'd done is they started with the perception that women listen less than men. And women interrupt, and you and me are very good at interrupting people, interrupt people more than men. And so, therefore, the rules of selling on paper, women don't follow them. But actually, the data tells us something different. So there were 30,469 calls made with a piece of, a piece of um, artificial intelligence. And they were recorded. They were separated into female and male, and they, was, they were transcribed. And basically, what they told us was that basically, yes, women um, talk less than men, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. Then men interrupt their prospect an average of 4.2 times per hour. Women interrupt 6.3 times per hour, so obviously they tend to interrupt more. Men pause more before responding. Um, and finally, women tend to go on monologues. <laughs> I'm definitely one of those than men. <laughs> 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 so that's something for us to think about. But ultimately, um, what happens is, as a result of this, is that women tend to listen a little bit more, longer because they allow other people monologues. But what they also do is that women are closing more deals than men. And their win rates are higher than men. And again, I'm not trying to be divisive here. What I'm trying to be is maybe just readdress the balance. Maybe for any recruitment leaders out there who are saying, look, I know I need to make my business more flexible, but I need more than more than simply to be told that I need equality. I need a proper, God damn it, I'm about to say viable business reason, even though that is one. What do you think to that? What do you think about the implications of theoretically women being better salespeople? Look, I, I think for a long period of time, there has been anecdotal evidence and loads of it to say that. I tell you what I really think. I think individuals are individuals. So I think some women are better than some men and some men are better than some women. And I think that even within the individual, you have a good week and a bad week. I mean, if you look at the perm market, you have a bad month and a great month and whatever, and to try and even it out over quarterly sort of regulated billings is difficult. What I do think is this, 
management of people has changed and where you are managing a group of people what you need to do nowadays and maybe you should have done all along but we didn't know is to provide them a platform for that individual that will help them achieve their best so we need to recruit the right people then we need to be very flexible on what um, motivates them and give them exactly that and what provides the right platform from which they can leap and so it's interesting so there's a whole equality piece but actually I don't think it's about providing everyone with the same I think equality these days mean giving people the best that you can give them to help them as an individual achieve then you'll find good women doing great work and great men doing great work as well so I think it's about that Look, it's easy as a woman who had a pretty successful recruitment career to look at all the things that made me successful and, and extrapolate that onto everybody else. I think we have a whole range of different people that are successful in the recruitment market. Some are quite analytical. Some um, have a great telephone communication. And some like great emails for heaven's sake and some are so good on selecting the right candidates but they're all doing it with different things and different bits of flair will work in different ways so I don't think it's one or the other and it's not because I'm hedging my bets on, on whether it's divisive or not I don't care actually if it's controversial I just think it's about individuals yeah. and if what if your company is structured and your motivating factors your commission structures and whatever are structured in a way that they turn people off, you're going to lose good people. That's yeah. what it is. All right. Yeah. So why not give people a smorgasbord approach with regard to awards for great performance and a smorgasbord approach for the way that they can work and fulfill their potential and make money for you as well as themselves? Totally correct. And it's just about looking beyond the standard compensation, standard working processes and saying, what do we need to do? And what little changes can we make? And also yeah. asking people actually what makes them tick when they come into the office. Because the challenge is now when you say the millennial, when everyone says millennial, people roll their eyes. And because they're, they're doing that, because we just don't get them. We just yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, I, th I do think that's right. I mean, even the word you use, standard, sounds negative, doesn't it? Hmm. Who wants a standard something or other? Nobody. People want to feel that whatever it is, it works for them. And standard, that's yeah. not floating anyone's boat. Not at all, not at all. One of the things as well, I and obviously, you know, the recruitment, the recruitment awards around the UK are a booming um, place to be. They're a bloody fair way to spend your time if you're a marketeer or an owner of a business in terms of entering. And I'm a massive fan, apart from the fact we won an award last year with your lovely selves, of awards because I know they've done an investment. But as a judge, and I know that you are as well on awards, as a judge of some of the awards out there, what I'm also always disappointed, and this is just a takeaway for the people listening to this, is as a judge, I'm always disappointed by the, the questions that are across the board um, in the awards categories about diversity and stuff like that. And there's never enough made about, um, there's always stuff mentioned about women in recruitment, but there's never yeah. enough made about it, about what's being done. And, and so what if only 10% of, of that particular business are women in recruitment? Let's talk about what's being done, what the strategy is, um, how these women feel about the environments that they're in. Because as a judge, I'd love to see that. I don't just want to see a list of figures. 
as, as someone who operates a, a, a pretty fabulous awards environment and a woman in recruitment and someone who employs women, what would you want to see as a judge for these things? How can people entering awards in 2018-19 demonstrate their, their appetite for diversity in their businesses through an awards category? Yeah. Well, look, well, APSCO have a diversity award in our portfolio. We've always had that. Um, and the questions that get asked in that kind of scenario is how do you measure and how do you measure change? So I think the big thing is that, that it's easy to say, you know, for a company that we have a lot of women there, but how many women are moving onwards? How how long are women staying compared to men? How many women do you have in your management team? And how many women are on the board? And I think that it's about measuring because if, if it's important enough, you need to measure it. And then you know whether you can make a difference. And then it's about a bit of innovation. What is it that companies can do to look at adding value and then measure to see how successful it's been? And there are some great companies out there that do a lot of stuff to make sure that they keep great people because let me tell you it would be nice to say that everyone's working to keep their women in for the goodness of their heart but they're working to keep women in their business because they're losing great talent yeah and here's the other thing if you think about it a lot of end user customers now have diversity and, and the gender diversity thing is part of that obviously in a big part sometimes where you are being asked in responses to tender invitations as to what your diversity policies are and what you can say that you're doing for a company, a recruitment company, to be a member of women in recruitment shows that one, they work to a code of conduct, and two, that they are working toward making sure that they have an equal footing at every tier within their business. That's winning some companies' business from end user customers because the end user customers are asking the questions now. So it makes sense from every which way, to be honest, to be involved in this and to make sure that diversity, and actually I would say not just gender diversity, mm. but actually making sure that you have disabled people within your business, whether you have a complete race diversity within your business, is no doubt a good thing. Everybody knows that that shows, um, you know, the more diverse your board is, the better success that you have across the board in a whole range of businesses. So it makes perfect sense. It's just we need to make a bit of extra effort to get there. So what, so the extra effort from I'm a, I'm a recruitment leader, whether I'm male or female, and I want to improve um, how many people I've got in my business. I want to keep the stars in my business. What's the women in yep. recruitment organization going to do for me? What are the practical elements of what you, what you head up? Well, okay. Well, that's a great question. It sounds a bit like a sales opportunity. So bear with me with regard to that. I think getting involved in women recruitment, one, not the most important, but worth having, gives you a badge that says that you are an organization that cares about it. That will attract more candidates to you that are female, realistically, because any woman out there that has an opportunity to go to what, you know, has two job offers from recruitment companies, they're going to go to the one that makes a point of saying we're doing something special about this. So that's an attraction to that badge means you're going to actually have the potential to win more business out there. And three, the badge means that you have signed up to a, a code of conduct that suggests that you are going to be working hard to make sure there's inequality and you're going to have a creative look at the way that you run your business in order to keep good women on and good men, for heaven's sake, but provide an opportunity. 
Because we'll hear the other figures will show that any organization that's good at keeping women and attractive women is a better environment for everybody else, not just the women, but everybody else. And so it gives you the opportunity to show who you are and what's there. The other benefits of actually being a member is that uh, as a company member, and let me tell you, it costs a couple of hundred quid to be a company member if you're fairly small. Every member of staff within your business is allowed to access all the stuff on women in recruitment, be invited to events, and use whatever that they need to use. Now, that's men and women, because we're not anti-men at all, quite the contrary. And so it's about every member of your staff, male or female, can access, come to these events. So last week, we ran a speed mentoring event, which I must admit, I kept called a speed dating event. I need to be careful about that. But it's a speed mentoring event where we had a whole load of women in the room, some senior mentors, and there was a man there who thought perhaps he was the token man, but we assured him he was the token Australian. Um, but the reality is that we're coming to a mentoring scenario to answer some of the questions that they don't want to ask back at the ranch, that they want to ask big guns who have had successful careers and are still having successful careers in the recruitment market that yeah. can give them some advice. And then there's a networking event after, all, uh, after that as well. The other big thing that we've done in women recruitment, which I think is one of the most important things, and that is that in, in us saying that it's not all about the owner-managers of businesses not providing the environment, but sometimes it's about the women themselves not feeling confident enough that they can capitalize on a career in the recruitment market. So what we've done is created um, a personal development training program, realistically, called The Power of Me. And I'm proud of this because we've pushed hard to get it. We've brought experts in. It's um, a program that combines psychometric testing, strength scope, which is a, a very, very good psychometric, looking at the strengths that you have and looking at how you can utilize those strengths to improve your performance in a recruitment company. So it looks at that. It's about evaluating who you are. It's then about energizing you to utilize those strengths. And then it's about you excelling in your role. And the power of me is um, this personal development program that is three months worth of um, online training program. It's sponsored by um, Bullhorn, which is fantastic of Bullhorn to do that, with a view that it can push women and men, men can do it too, push their confidence levels and push their self-understanding that they can achieve more. And actually, as a member of, of women in recruitment, people have access to that. If, do you know, as a three-month program, it costs £99. Nothing. It costs a lot more of that to create it. I'm burning a month, um, nothing. Sorry, say that again? That's, that's, 30, that's, 30 quid a, that's 30 quid a month, which is a couple of yeah. 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 Absolutely. And look, if, if you're stressed out and busy for one month, you can take four months if you want, but it's £99. Let me tell you, I, I bought it for Lapsco staff, even though we're not, you know, we're not a recruitment company. The video clips, the questionnaires, the psychometric, the whole load of stuff on that, the advice and directional a provision on that is useful for all my stuff, but I've bought it. I think it's fantastic. It's a bit of a no-brainer. And if you are a company that utilizes women in recruitment services, including the power of me, that's a right message. And if it keeps 
any of your staff for a couple of years longer than it would have done because they've learned something and put it into practice, let alone if they stay and become directors and the people you hand your business over to when you sell it, if they are those people that you can develop, boy, it's pay for itself quite a number of times over. That's what people get from being involved in women in recruitment. Well, what we'll do is a supporting kind of like show notes thing, um, you lovely listeners and Anne, is we'll put links to all of this stuff. Um, obviously, there's uh, womeninrecruitment.org, um, and within that, we'll put some links in so everyone can sort of click quite easily and see what all of this is about. There's obviously an events tag as well that lists all of the different events that are happening from a calendar perspective. Um, yep. So, okay, let's wrap it up. But it, from a, if people want to get in touch with you, Anne, what's the best way for them to do that? If they want to know more well, about it. Yeah, the best person to get in touch with is Julie Selby. Yeah. And her email address would be Julie Selby at womeninrecruitment.org or just to go to the website. But if they want to get involved, Julie Selby, who herself has had 25 years uh, worth of recruitment, senior recruitment experience, yeah. who runs this and coordinates for us. She's the person to go to and she'll get you signed up. And she's great. She's very passionate about this, actually. Yeah. And you're going to find that we're making a lot of noise. And I think something else to really bear in mind, this is something we're absolutely working with the REC. We're working with anybody to make a difference to women within the recruitment market. And this is something that will be stretched out to all of the global recruitment companies through the APSCO Global Network. So we have offices in Australia, Singapore, Germany, as, as well as obviously across the UK, and watch this space for more. So there will be a global movement of women and men helping us out to achieve what we can achieve, our real potential within the recruitment market. I think it's pretty interesting. It is indeed. Anne, you've been an absolute star. Listeners, I'll chuck all of the links in at the end of this podcast so you can see what you need to do. I noticed there is a women a Power of Me webinar on June the 12th at 12 o'clock, which is accessible by many people around the world. So I'll put a link into that as well. And thank you very thank much you. for taking some time out today. It's my pleasure, Lisa. I'm, I'm really grateful for all your support with regard to this. Thanks again. Not a problem. Take care. Now, hold on, everyone. Don't go anywhere just yet. I've got something else to tell you. Barclay Jones, all we do is work with recruitment businesses. So we've obviously got a lot of content on our blog and our website. And God damn it, we need to make sure that um, you guys and gals are as effective as you possibly can be in 2018 and beyond. So pop along to our useful resources section, which you'll see within a link in the content that surrounds this lovely soundcast. And click on the things that you need to stop doing in 2018, because there's a lot of stuff you need to stop doing, because life's too short. Think about as well what you might need your marketeers to start doing, because marketeers aren't just there to make things look pretty, they're there to help you make some money. And if you have things like Bond and, and uh, I should say e-recruit and uh, Bullhorn in your business and you want your recruiters to make some money from these systems because let's face it, when I say they cost enough, they probably don't cost enough, but obviously you're spending enough on them, then head along to the, to the, to the website there. Hope to see you on um, our next webinar. We have one running every month. Again, go to our um, events page on our website. And in terms of other podcasts, be sure to subscribe to this and other podcasts within the Recruitment Leaders podcast stream. We've got all sorts of fantastic advice from people like Greg Savage. People like that and Anne Swain have got a lot to offer the industry and give you time to think about your business, not just operate within it. Take care, everyone, and I'll see you on the next podcast. 
that was Criminal Leaders Podcast by Barclay Jones. Be sure to subscribe via iTunes or SoundCloud for more Criminal Leaders insights. Take care.